the American Medical Association, the American Nurses Association, the American Hospital Association, and the American Bar Association are all supporting it. You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and with me is healthcare attorney Nathan A. Kotkamp with the law firm of McGuire Woods in Richmond, Virginia, and founder and chair of National Healthcare Decisions Day 2008. Mr. Kotkamp, welcome back to the Clinician's Roundtable. Thank you. It's great to be here. Give us a National Healthcare Decisions Day 101. The National Healthcare Decisions Day initiative is a collaborative effort of national, state, community organizations committed to ensuring that all adults with decision-making capacity in the United States have the information and opportunity to communicate and document their healthcare decisions. You mentioned at the beginning of the show some of the national organizations that are currently participating. The list is actually much longer than that. We currently have, at least as of Friday, 56 national organizations involved, and all of those are listed on the nationalhealthcaredecisionsday.org website. What feedback are you receiving? It has been overwhelmingly positive. I think the most common feedback that I've gotten is that this is long overdue. And paint a picture for us. Give us some end-of-life care statistics. Well, I think the the most significant statistic is that despite having the Patient Self-Determination Act around for nearly two decades at this point, still only about 25% of Americans, based on a variety of different studies, have their advanced directives or health care planning wishes documented in some fashion. Also on the nationalhealthcaredecisionsday.org website, there are some specific facts. I think some of the ones that are also significant is the fact that various studies suggest that only about 25% of the population has an advanced directive. The United States Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality in its 2003 article found that less than 50% of severely or terminally ill patients had an advanced directive in their medical record. And more importantly, only 12% of patients with an advanced directive said that they had received any input from their physicians in its development. Do you know how many healthcare professionals have their own advanced directive? I do not know. In fact, I've never seen a study that provides that information. However, I can tell you that based on my own experience in serving on ethics committees and, and dealing with professionals, that the numbers in the professional field, both healthcare professionals and legal professionals, is not that much more impressive than the general public. So one of the things that we're trying to do with National Healthcare Decisions Day is encourage healthcare providers of all sorts, various professionals, to lead by example and make sure that they have their own healthcare decisions known in a advanced directive. Of course, any of us can be patients uh, at any time, and that's one of the things that we want to impress upon the public. Tell us about the upcoming webinar, National Healthcare Decision Day 2008, The Law, The Talk, and The Care. On Wednesday, March 19 at 2 p.m., that's Eastern Time, for one hour, we have an absolute all-star cast for an interactive webinar. The faculty for this is Ira Bayok, who is the Director of Cancer Survivorship and Palliative Care at the Norris Cotton Cancer Center at Dartmouth-Hitchcock Medical Center and a best-selling author. Uh, we've got Bill Colby, who is a senior fellow with the Center for Practical Bioethics, who is also a critically acclaimed author, and he was the attorney to the Nancy Cruzan family. And finally, we have Elizabeth Clark, who is the executive director of the National Association of Social Workers, who has clinical experience in psychosocial oncology and end-of-life care. 
and I will be moderating the panel. If physicians participate in the webinar, what will they learn? They will learn a variety of things. One of the things that we hope for them to gather is some practical advice about, one, spreading the word about National Healthcare Decisions Day, learning a little bit more about the background with respect to the legal requirements that uh, exist with respect to advanced directives, and also, uh, given that we've got a social worker, we hope to have some great practical advice on facilitating the conversation with patients as well as with their families. As you mentioned, practitioners need these for themselves as much as they do for their patients. Is CME available? CME is available, as is uh, continuing education credit for uh, nurses, social workers. I understand that chaplains can get it as well, and CLE certificates will be available for attorneys. So this is a, um, a truly multidisciplinary continuing education effort. How much does the webinar cost? It's only $20 per line or per site. Beyond that, at any given facility, you can pack as many people as you want into the room, and we'll be sending out sign-up sheets for the continuing education credit, which will be processed by the National Hospice and Palliative Care Organization, as well as the American Health Lawyers Association. How may listeners register? There are two ways that listeners can register. One is by going on nationalhealthcaredecisionsday.org, and across the top of the website, there is a button to click on, which says Webinar, March 19. The other way would be to go directly to um, the sign-up at mcguirewoods.com and look for the button that says Events, and from there you'll find the sign-up. It's all electronic, and you merely pay with a credit card. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and joining me is healthcare attorney Nathan Kotkamp discussing National Healthcare Decisions Day and advanced care planning. Mr. Kotkamp, what other resources are available for healthcare professionals to learn more about advanced care planning? Well, as part of the National Healthcare Decisions Day initiative, we have tried to not only pull together some existing resources that are already out there on the internet, but also to create some new ones, especially for this event. On the nationalhealthcaredecisionsday.org website, there is a button on the left that says, Organize Your Community. And in that website, you will find all sorts of things, including an advanced directive sticker that says, Ask Me About Advanced Directives that uh, can be printed out for people to wear on on April 16th. There's an op-ed that I wrote. There are poster templates that facilities can just print out and post in their lobbies and their elevators and other places. There's even a PowerPoint presentation for facilities to use uh, to get the word out to the public. Describe some strategies physicians may use to facilitate conversations related to advanced care planning. Well, I think the most important thing is to demystify the topic and to make it a part of your encounters with patients on a routine basis. This is a topic that we're trying to take out of the realm of merely being something that people think of in terms of death and dying and, and being something that patients as well as physicians think of as a part of routine care. It's a way of engaging in conversation to better understand patient preferences. So I think it's something that uh, certainly any time that a patient is coming in for something basic like a, a routine physical or anything like that, this absolutely ought to be part of the discussion. But even if a patient comes in for a specific issue, it's also something that just as you're reviewing the patient's history to bring up and say, have you thought about your health care decisions? Do you have somebody named in, in the event that you can't speak for yourself? And, um, and then help the patient uh, 
with the conversation from there. What's your best advice for when patients and families resist having this conversation? That's always a tricky one, and there's a lot of different approaches to dealing with this. And again, part of that, I think, is the reluctance for people to talk about their own mortality. But I think it's one of those topics that, as much as we avoid it uh, or would like to avoid it, sooner or later, most of us are going to be patients at some point. I think um, one of the ways families can deal with this if they're really uncomfortable talking about the real specifics of what kind of care that they would want in the event that they can't speak for themselves, would be to at least take the, the very important step of naming who it is that they think is their appropriate agent um, or proxy or surrogate. They, they come in various terms in various different states. But I think that there, there's a lot of debate as to whether or not you need to document your wishes and what it is that you need to be talking with your known agent about. But I and, and some others that I speak to think that even if you can't get to that level of the conversation, if you pick whoever it is is the right person for you, and, and the right person can be defined in innumerable ways for various patients, but I think that if you pick the right person, chances are that they're going to make the right decision for you if they are called upon to do so. So I think that's probably the best way in the event that you get people that are reluctant to talk about their own incapacity. It sounds like you're advocating for a power of attorney for health care document instead of a living will, if given a choice. I, 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 yes, I am. <laughs> yes, I do think that uh, a power of attorney document is, in most circumstances, the more helpful document. Not only is it a document that names an individual who can have actual conversations with providers and, and understand the real nuances of what's going on in a patient's care, but it's also uh, not just a static document and it's less likely to be subject to questions of interpretation. I do think that living wills, of course, do have their place, but I think that they're best uh, in conjunction with naming an agent. What are some ethical scenarios that you see repeated that could be prevented with these discussions? Well, the most common one, particularly going back to your question about statistics with respect to advanced directives, is patients who end up in a situation where they can't speak for themselves, and we are forced to go through the legal mechanism to find an agent. And at least in Virginia, where I practice, in many cases, that involves multiple decision makers, because once you get past the level of a spouse, there are multiple members of a class, and they often don't agree on what the patient would want. And so one of the things that uh, having these discussions and documenting wishes can do is eliminate the disagreements that come when families are blindsided by these choices. It's not always the case that family members are going to agree about what uh, their loved one wants, but at least if the families have an opportunity to have the discussion prior to the, to the medical crisis, it oftentimes re- will reduce um, that problem. We do sometimes see situations where uh, healthcare providers disagree with the uh, choices of a patient, and that's another thing where there are options for transferring to another provider. The other thing that is important is for family members who are agents to understand what authority they have as healthcare powers of attorney or someone that knows about a living will and uh, really to empower them. And so I think a lot of the ethical things that we see out there are really problems that result from lack of communication, many of which can be solved through advanced planning. Are you planning National Health Care Decisions Day 2009? Uh, we are. We're hoping this becomes institutionalized as an annual event. 
Why did you choose the date April 16th? Well, there are a couple of reasons. One is uh, that it's a bit tongue-in-cheek, but it's the day after tax day, and going back to Benjamin Franklin's adage that nothing in life is certain but death and taxes, we thought it was an easy way to remember the day. The other reason that we chose that is that this is the third annual Virginia Advanced Directives Day, which is the event that I organized for two years, and since we had 100% participation by all the hospitals in Virginia, we wanted to honor their participation and their efforts by not changing the date for them, and so that's how we ended up with April 16th. Mr. Kotkamp, thank you so much for joining us to discuss National Healthcare Decisions Day and the importance of advanced care planning. Thank you. I'm Susan Dolan. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your comments and questions at ReachMD.com, which now features on-demand podcasts of the ReachMD Library. Thank you for listening.